You're listening to the Hidden Battles Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HiddenBattlesFoundation.org in partnership with Swim With The Mission. To find them on Swim.org on the internet. Welcome to the Battlecast. Hey everybody, it is Scott and Chris and Mike. Uh, we have in the studio tonight, we're going to grab him in a couple minutes. We have Brian Harkins with us, but we're going to uh, take care of some um, housekeeping, I guess, right, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. So the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Or you can call the three-digit suicide crisis lifeline of 988. Or you could text HELP to 741741. Or if you're in a media crisis, you dial 911. Uh, also, I, I say it, and I'm going to say it again. Um, if you are a veteran and you need immediate mental health care, you can actually go to NEER. It is free under the Compact Act of 2020. Uh, you will be entitled to a 30-day in-house program or a 90-day out uh, program. So there is no excuse. Get the help if you need the help. Mike, how's things? Uh, things are going well. It's very good. Excited to be here. You sound. Oh my God! You sound it. Like well, we have a good. Yeah. We have a yeah. good guest today. Yeah. Going to learn a lot about his organization, what he does. Yep. So this is going to be a good one. Um, should we? Hey, what are you drinking, Chris? Courtesy of Heritage Farm Ice Cream. Oh my God! Yeah. Down on <laughs> the Boulevard, we have uh, a wonderful frap made by Uncle Bob himself. Love Uncle Bob. Um, what did you get? Same as me. Yeah, black and white. Black oh, and black white. And white I love them. Jeep Knight's um, not back yet, right? Was that Jeep soon? Night? Jeep Night is coming back mid June. You'll follow up on the Facebook page and you'll see that event be kicking off. Um, so yeah, that was nice. Good, that plug was there on purpose. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting comfortable. Yeah, here. you are. <laughs> <laughs> so Perfect. Chris, introduce our guest. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a special guest in the studio tonight. Uh, Brian Harkins is an Army veteran and has been in the EMS field for over 30 years. Uh, Brian currently serves as a firefighter and paramedic. Um, in two different communities and used to be the EMS coordinator for a relatively large hospital. Brian, welcome on in. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So what did you do in the Army? Uh, military police. Got a boy. <laughs> <laughs> you love him or hate him? I, I, listen, I like him already. <laughs> listen, that was, my last unit was an MP and I never got, a, I never got MOS qualified. I said, ask this and I left. <laughs> so I completed my, uh, my thing. So. Nice. so Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, like Chris said, I've been doing this for over 30 years and um, started off in the Army, and I think that's where all my issues started was over in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, um, back in the early days. A um, little child stepped on a landmine. It was outside our camp, and we kind of dealt with that as I came on, and that's where my career kind of got started with the, the PTSD. From there, I got in the ambulance business, eventually got in the fire department, did five years with the Department of Corrections before I go to the fire department, so I had a little... Very background, different experiences, and and my career kind of took off from there. So currently, I'm working with Stoughton right now, full time, in uh, Townsend Per Diem. So oh, nice, yep. good towns, good towns. Yeah. So uh, when you were, because I I love success stories, and and I call them lack of better term success stories. Sure. So obviously, we deal with a lot of like traumatizing things, right? But tell us a little bit of what you did to get better and to get into the mental mind frame that you are now. I mean, you're doing well. Doing very well. Okay. So, so tell us a little bit. Reader's Digest version. In, in 2015, I had a mental health breakdown at a hospital in the North Shore. 
after back-to-back uh, to back the second and third worst calls of my career, and, and I broke. Uh, I called my fire chief, told him I'm never coming back, and not those exact words, but I said I'm never coming back, and uh, he said I'll come see you in 45 minutes, took me to McLean's Hospital into the leader program, and I really just kind of fell in love with the environment. All, all the images that we picture of, of psychiatric care and help, uh, I had all these negative in images in my head of what I thought it was going to be, but it just wasn't the case. And I actually learned a lot from the people in there as well. I did a lot of group counseling. And I really just kind of realized that, that I'm not alone and there's other people with problems. And bigger, badder, and tougher people than I will ever be uh, also have these issues. So I really just said, you know, if I'm going to lose my, my career, my family, I'm, I'm not going down without a fight. And I just let it fly. Nice. And anybody and everybody that would listen to me, I just told them what happened and... And I got a lot of people reaching out to me since then, so and it's the, kind of grown. And the conversation you had the other day, you said that somebody <coughs> called you and said, oh, I'm not going to a psych hospital because I don't want IVs and being strapped down. Is that anything like what it's like? Literally toured a facility today, and beautiful grounds, nice little Cohasset Hingham line, uh, nice little place, and it's brand new. You walk in, everybody's nice, they're friendly, they're respectful. And you just sit down at a table, you just talk to a guy who's just an intake guy, kind of get your background. They do the basic, you know, medical evaluation, talk to you, kind of figure out what's going on, how sober you are and how bad off you are. And they take you back and they just kind of start processing it. It's a beautiful facility. It's brand new. It's clean. It's actually immaculate, actually. Uh, we were in the cafeteria. The food is amazing. It smelled really, really good. And it was just a really, really nice place. And those myths and the stigmas and the, the rumors of getting it shackled and restrained, yeah, there are times that that might happen. We're not going to say it's not going to happen. If you're violent and combative, then obviously they have to do what they have to do. But if you go in there with your head low and you're like, I just need some help, and it's, it's love, it's respect, and there's just a lot of people who are doing God's work behind the scenes who just really want to make sure you, you get the help. So I, I did not find that at all. I had access to my family. I, they were able to come visit. Uh, a lot of places, once they see that you're stable and you are able to go off grounds, my wife and kids could come take me out to lunch and get me a Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and then you go back. But you just have to go through the steps to make sure that you're stable. What was us. the average amount of time that they keep somebody in there, especially a leader program? And we heard a lot of great things about leader. Leaders at McLean Hospital is excellent, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I had a and what it, do you know, can you explain what leader is? Uh, it stands for? Uh, of course, I'm under the pressure right now. Law yeah. enforcement, emergency, active duty responders. I probably missed yeah. something here under the pressure of the microphone. But uh, it's just a law enforcement first responder program. It's geared towards us because it's different. As, as a police officer, if you're arresting you know, 17 different people or I'm transporting the same psychiatric patients, I don't want to be sitting in a bed next to them. Uh -huh. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Nobody's going to open up because I'm going to see you on the street in a week. So it's only for us. It's only for first responders. And they put you in the room with other first responders who understand what it is that you're going through. And you'll sit there and you'll have that conversation. And, and at the leader program, there was a city firefighter, big city, Jersey Shore kind of guy, this cool guy. And he comes up, he goes, how do you tell the guys at work? What, what are you going to say when you go back? And I'm like, if they're my friends, they'll understand. If they're not, I could care less what their opinion is. It means nothing. He's like, I need to hug you right now. I'm like, bring it in, bro. like... Man hug, and, and he actually felt better about himself because he didn't feel alone. That's a great attitude. You know, and that, and that seems to be the problem a lot of the time is what are people going to think? Okay, yes. You know, I mean, what are people going to think? Think. Listen, what are people going to think if you don't get help and you continue down that spiral path? 
you know? Well, you got to lose your job. Mm-hmm. You got to lose your family. The number of, of first responders who have lost their, their kids who won't talk to them ever again, they're in divorce court, they're on their fourth, fifth, sixth marriage. They've, they're paying child support for the rest of their life. They keep losing their jobs. Like, is that, that's not embarrassing? That's more embarrassing than, hey man, I, I, got, I got a drinking problem or I got a drug problem or, you know, something happened. I just, my, my brain just stopped working one day for whatever reason. Well, I know the reason, but I just couldn't recover like I normally could. And I'm just at the point now, if, if that's what's holding you back, that you're embarrassed, then, then they're not your real friends. If they're your real friends, they'll be there for you. You need new friends. Right, exactly. And we find the two, I, I think a lot of the time now, where I'm talking to more and more people who, um, you're seeing people go out and they're retiring, and then they're going after that um, line of duty, you know. Um, but a lot, there's a lot more people going, you know what, I'm recognizing it. Uh, and, and it's a little past the time that I should have probably got help a long time ago. And now they're really suffering from it where they're just ending a career because they can't do it anymore. And I see a lot more. So I think it's now we're starting to recognize it and we're starting to accept the fact that mental health is definitely an issue in our profession, you know, in the caretaker profession in a sense, right? And when I see that we're actually making strides on that, when now people are like, hey, you know what? I'm messed up. I can't do this job anymore. Nobody's going, No suck it up like you should have right. sucked it up and nobody's doing that anymore they're like he's been on a, on a hard run and then they start to realize by looking at the signs and symptoms of stuff you know the alcohol abuse the womanizing the the crappy looking uniforms the really poor performance not showing up for work you know sleep whatever now they're going I, this is why and i see it and then they they start to put things together so nobody's really at least what i've seen I see us going, you know, over that curve and coming down the hill of people not really shaming anybody for getting help. I think it's easier now because there's a lot more people talking about it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'll tell anybody and everybody I have no shame in, in anything that I've been through. And uh, there's some bigger, better, tougher people than I will ever be. If Navy SEALs, Rangers, Delta Force, if those guys can have issues, who am I? Like, I, I can certainly have issues too. So I think it took a lot of them to kind of uh, jump out in front. A uh, gentleman named Greg Sinelli out of Saugus Fire, who's as, as, as bad of a guy as you can meet. Like this guy, I'm a little child next to him, and he did it, and he's the one that got me out of it. And I'm like, well, if this guy can do it, I can certainly do it. So yeah. as long as people like him are, are, are taking the lead and pulling the rest of us up, it, it's, it's easier to do. No, I, I, so I understand, and first of all, that's great that you did that. And it took me to hit rock bottom to go get the help also. And so I won't ask what the rock bottom was. But I understand it's easy to go get the help then and, and be on your best behavior then, but how do you stay resilient and how do you stay on this on this such a positive path that you're on now and doing great things? Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I have my days too. I, yeah. I certainly have my, my bad days, but um, I have a support network. I have people that will listen to me. And one thing that we're terrible at is telling the people that we love what's going on. It's, you know, what I found out is that they were looking up the calls as, as I was doing them and Stoughton's on the news a lot. All I got to do is Google Stoughton Fire, and there we are in the news. Or watch Fox 25, and the mm-hmm. stories pop up. You know, like, there you are. So we have a weekly peer support group on uh, Zoom. We keep it locked down pretty tight. You can't find us. We have to be invited. And we just do that to keep the riffraff out, the people who are going to mock and ridicule. and The licky lose. Yeah, you know, the, mm-hmm. the people who have all the answers and, and just kind of want to create problems. It's like the badge meetings. Yeah, similar. But it's just, so it happened during the height of COVID, we had eight suicides in seven days. Nobody was doing anything except for our thoughts and prayers, man. You're my thoughts and prayers. Well, great. That doesn't help eight people in seven mm-hmm. days. 
So I started this, and I'm like, you know what? If people show up, great. And if nobody shows up, I'll play video games for an hour, and I don't care. Yeah. And it took off. And the networking that's come out of this has been way beyond my wildest dreams. And, and I'm just a guy. I'm, I'm just a guy who's just tired of seeing people kill themselves and suffer. And um, I, I don't run an organization. I'm not affiliated with anybody. I'm just me just trying to, to do the work. And that weekly meeting is just a good place to vent. We've laughed. We've cried. We've been on until midnight. We've been off at quarter of eight. It just depends on what's going on. So You know, that's how you and I met, was I ended up getting invited uh, into your group. And um, I don't even know how I got invited, who invited me or whatever, but that's how you and I connected. Correct. And I've sat in on a couple of the, sure you know, did. Sunday night ones. And it honestly, like, I've met a whole bunch of people from that. And um, I'll... Can, tell Scott offline on who one of them is that's now a good friend of you know our organization and it's I mean you're doing amazing work so thank you um, thank you for that and so like you do yours on the Sunday night we run our in-person one on Tuesdays so if somebody is a first responder that wants to get into that group how would they obviously you have to be invited is there what type of criteria you're looking for how does one get invited to it what is the vetting process so basically, I will search your profile, make sure that I believe you do that as well. For, oh, for, yes. Because, oh, yes, yeah. we do. Because you have the, you know, the weird 10 out of 10 supermodel from California who thinks I'm cute. Weird. That never happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you get rid of that riffraff, and, and I really just, I'll get a name. They can text me. They call me, and they get the invite. And it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people are uncomfortable talking, but I also offer, you can be anonymous. You can just be a black screen, and you can put John Doe. Okay. Or you can put cop, or you can put firefighter, whatever you want to what put. What platform are you using? Through Zoom or just via Zoom? That's okay, all cool. it is. Very and nice. I just and the the reason you can be anonymous, the only rule is I just have to know who you are. Mm-hmm. So if you turn around and say, "Hey, you know what? In an hour, I'm going to go hang myself," I can react and, and get yeah. responses. And we had to yeah. do that twice. Had to get mm-hmm. people nine one one, and and that's not bad for three and a half years of yeah. just a guy just setting up a group. And we've had as many as twenty four, which turned out to be a lot. But we average between 6 and 10 a night, of, and they just feel like it's a place just to kind of vent, and they've tried to get other people on, but people aren't comfortable. You know what a lot of it is, too, is like us. We're, we're the same way. We started out, we, we, like, we go up and down like an EKG reading. At first, when we started out, it was only a couple of us showed, and then we had a huge crowd. I don't like the huge crowd. I find it a lot of impersonal, but I will never say, no, I only want this many people there. Right. But we have our core group of weekly attendees, and um, it's great because... You, you start to build that uh, comfort, you know, and you start to lean on people. And we start to ease into giving not advice. We lease into, like, suggestions or, you know, maybe we should, you know, maybe suggest trying this or whatever because uh, we don't guide and we just give options, right. you know. But I think once people find their community and they find that group, it's uh, more of a comfort thing for them. And then they know that, hey, if I do, it, some guys show up and they're having a great time. Like, their week has been fantastic, and they show up, and they just show up because they want to be there to support the guy that may not be doing good, because when right. you weren't doing good, he was there to support you. And that's amazing, and you can't buy that, and that's something that's just organically develops, and I mean, kudos to you for doing it, because it's hard, trust me, we, we know, you know. It's very hard, and there are days where I just don't want to. It's, it's, it's 80 degrees out, mm. something's going on, and there's other things I'd rather be doing, but I'm like, there are people that need us. To be there, there are people that need that depend on this group, and they they say it. I need this group every week. Yep. And they show up, and and what we we 
I'm not a counselor. I'm just a, just a firefighter paramedic who took a couple classes to try to keep you from killing yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, it's peer. Yeah. It's peer to peer. So I'm just an ear to listen. Yeah, exactly. You can just vent. My wife said this. She thinks I'm fat. She thinks I'm ugly. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that you just want to vent about. Mm-hmm. And you can vent. And there are people who will say, hey, man, that, did you go for a walk today? Yeah. It's 80 degrees out. You get outside. You go for a walk. I know, mm-hmm. I know you're in it. You're struggling. It's tough. Get out and go for a walk. Yeah. Drink some extra water today. Those are the little things that, that'll help. And, and a lot of times we'll just share different resources. We get a girl on the ketamine treatments right now yep. that, that are working. She was a tough case, she, mm. and she's doing really well now, and, it, and it's good to see. So there are things that are working for people. Yeah. And it is, it's not a uh, one shoe fits everything. You know, right. I mean, it's, there's a lot of people who expect instant results. Instagram. We had a, um, an individual who came to our group, and she said, I've been doing this for, you know, two years. Uh, how long does it take for me to get normal? I'm like, well, you don't take a six-year walk into the woods and walk out in 20 minutes. Like, it's a, it's a process. You have right. to be patient. And a lot of times we find, too, is when people are in treatment for a long time and they're on medication, as soon as they start to feel really good, they stop the medicine. They're like, I'm, I'm cured. Oh. And they stop the medicine. They don't realize that the process and all the, all the treatments and everything else you've been going through is the reason you feel so good. And then it starts from scratch. And sometimes right. it's even harder to start again. So... I think uh, I think where the the culture that we are, we do better peer to peer. We like talking to like minded people who can experience and 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 justify why we feel the way we do, or even have shared you know experiences or can you know relate. It's relatable to us because not too many other cultures can go through what we go to. So your your group meeting. Who's who's welcome? Because like with us, everybody knows it's dispatchers all the way to ER staff. Like with you guys, how's same that? thing. All so right, we're. Great. I probably get the idea off of you guys. To be honest with you. So copyright, by the way, thirty five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's police, fire, EMS, and, and dispatches is mm-hmm. important. They often get you know left in the shadows, but we also forget about the medical examiner's office. Mm-hmm. That case up here in North Andover yesterday. I mean, somebody has to. Oh go. yeah. Somebody has to go get them. Mm-hmm. The organ bank and the ER staff and. They're all welcome. And in special cases, we, we had a nurse, her daughter saw some horrific things within like a two-week period, and she's like, can she? And I'm like, of course she can. Yeah, we've had, we've had wives come to our group meeting. So that's actually yeah. something that's, that's coming down the road, yeah. is we're going to do a, um, a spouse, significant other, whatever yeah. you choose in your life, your brother, your sister, your aunt, uncle, whatever, mm-hmm. whoever's important in your life to yeah, show up. You never want to bring both of them, though. No, wife yeah. and girlfriend cannot be in the same room at no. the same time. Keep them or husband and boyfriend. That's terrible. We're, it's less, let's not... <laughs> Um, no, we found that we've had spouses come to find validation, right? You know, because we are the most bullheaded people. We're we're never wrong. You know, I, I'm wrong all the time. I admit that. I actually know when I'm wrong, and I know when I'm right because I write on the calendar. I was right because it's that often. But we've had we've had spouses come and say, "This is what he does. He does this. He does this." And the whole time he's like, "Nope, nope." And then what do we all do? Yep, yep. You are. We all do it, buddy. Like we all. And that's part of the whole problem, the denial factor, right? Where I think I'm the best person to hide what I'm going through. And other people who knows, know us better are picking up on it so well because we're not, you know, we're, we're horrible pretenders. So. But we have our own bias too, you know? Yeah. That's, that's not happening to me. I don't do that. Uh, yes, you do that yeah. and we all do that. But we have our own bias. That, right. So we don't see that. Mm-hmm. Because we're not we don't want to, We don't want mm-hmm. to see it. We're not sitting back looking yeah. at ourselves exactly. through mm-hmm. everybody else's eyes and when I was in Florida touring a facility, there was a... Uh, a, a was that Sonny's she, place? Yeah, Sonny's place. I love Sonny. Good yeah, friend. Good guy. And uh, she said, 
I was the last one to know I was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of stung me a little bit. I was like, to think about it from that point of view, because I didn't know I was struggling. I, mm-hmm. I just knew that I was, I was angry. I was short-tempered. I would, something stupid would happen, and I would, I would start a fight on a vacation, and I, just, I would not come down. I'm right, you're wrong, and we're digging in, and we're going to fight. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, 1,000%, it's over, like, she got me a medium coffee instead of a large, and we're at war. And you don't realize, like, yeah. how stupid that is. Like, now, I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's what we're really fighting over. It's embarrassing to look back and think, like, I do it all the time. Like, I'll have an argument with my wife, and I go, that was dumb. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like it wasn't even worth it. And then you go down, I'm sorry. You know? but, <laughs> yeah. but, no, I mean, literally, because, and I say this to the people who are listening who aren't first responders or, or in the, the caretaker profession, um, but there's a lot of people, and I met somebody the other day who literally does not like police officers. And I said, I understand that. Listen, I do. And I said, you might have encountered a police officer or even a fireman or an EMS guy sure. or whatever. They could have come from the worst call and now deal with you. And I'm sorry it's being taken out on you. But people do that to everybody nowadays except for the fact that we're identified by uniform. Like, right. you know... And I say that to people, I'm like, you don't know what call that individual just came from. You don't know what's going on in this person's personal life. And he has to deal with you, which you could be the nicest person on the planet, but we're dealing with you under the best circumstances, you know? Even with fire. You see people getting really mad at fire uh, firefighters now, like to the point that they're getting assaulted and stuff too. And oh, it's, yeah. it's because of the fact that people just don't understand that you are all right to have a bad day. You know, it, it's... Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying... You're fine. It's okay. Let's excuse. No, no. But let's understand why. Right. You know, and that's a whole part of the whole mental health thing, is that people don't understand that we're going through it. There's just so many people going through mental health right now. You know, and, and like you start, look at the driving. Look at how people are driving now. It's bad. It's awful. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that people have a lot going on mentally. And it's time to start either find a group. If you're not a first responder or something, you need to find a group that you can vent. You need to get into something that's helping you to get rid of a lot of that anxiety, that depression, that anger, that, like, let's work on it, you know? And, and this is for everybody. But listen, there are groups out there for every walk of life. Absolutely. And you need to find it. And you need what is, hunt the good. Hunt the good, yeah. You got to hunt the good. That, that's something in the army resiliency course. I got to pay you. Yeah, <laughs> I make money. I come here. So in the army at the resiliency course, I was a resiliency trainer. That was one of the phrases that actually stuck with me. Is every day, we, you you go through some uh, crappy stuff. I can say crappy on land. Yeah, yeah. You know, you always hunt the good. Right, find something good in that day. As bad as sure. it was, find something good in that day. Mm-hmm. Hunt the good. Just like what? I like that. Yeah, like I've been doing it. You've been doing it with Duke in yep. the morning. What are you grateful for? Highs and lows, Duke. Yeah, and you got to do it with Craigie. You got to think, what is, he'll say, he'll get in the car and be like, oh, this happened to me at recess. And I'm like, but what happened that was good? And people need to, you know, listen, if our, you know, <laughs> our, our kids are doing it yeah. and we're doing it with them, it's all right and it's easy to do it. But a lot of it is recognition, right? Right. Like, how long did it take you to recognize you had problems? 25 years. Yeah. It took me 25 years when I, and mm-hmm. I didn't volunteer that I was broken it. My brain told me I was done. So I found out the hard way. But So you get that, that saying, and I like that. I'm the good, I like that's that. Good, yeah. what, that's 35 cents. 35 cents, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, Venmo, I take Venmo, it's PayPal. <laughs> Write to the Pliny Fund if you want. So we, I had a, uh, in, a, in a height of everything as my world was coming to a crash, uh, it was starting to kind of take that fall off a cliff. I sat with a shrink for the uh, Celtics, and I'm like, 
And of course, now I'm Celtics, any girl they want, any car they want, any mm. house they want, yeah. and they have problems. Because who am I, right? I'm the only mm. one in the world that has problems. They don't have problems. Mm. And he said to me, he goes, you were chosen to be there. Mm-hmm. I was kind of mad about it. I'm like, what do you mean I was chosen? I don't want to see dead kids. Mm-hmm. And then the very next call is where it kind of hit the reality hit. And those little sayings that you don't think much of, but later on they come back. And ever since then, that's been my, my saying is that those, those people that were there in North Andover yesterday were chosen to be there for a reason. And you mm-hmm. will, I will fight you till, till death do us part. To, it, I just believe it. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what my catchphrase is, that we were chosen to be there. Whatever the next call is that happens to me that, that rocks my world, I was chosen to be there. There's a reason that I'm there. No, it's, it's, it's weird, and, and I've, Chris has not heard this story before, but I used to do a lot of overnight suicide walks. And uh, one night, I was in New York, and it's real fast, uh, because we're going to be coming to a commercial break in a couple, but um, I was walking, and I saw three women probably in their 50s, and they had do-rags on, and they were wearing them like Tupac, and I thought it was funny. And they said, um, they said POS on them. You know, and in, in Boston, we think that's a piece of, you know, yeah, salami yeah. or whatever, you know, <laughs> throw it in there. So I walk up, I go, all right, what does POS stand for? And the lady says, oh, it's parents of suicide. And I was like, oh. I said, okay. So I said, you know, I'm sorry if he lost. And, we, and, and because of walking, which is a huge part of what I do, I love to walk because we get to talk and, and get stories. Turned out that these three women were actually psychiatrists. They were doctors. And their children, they lost children to suicide. And Oof. when I talked to them, I said, uh, and this was really fresh. This was the anniversary of my brother's death. Like, this was my first year walking in New York. And, um, and I said, uh, you know, she so was like, how about you? And I said, yeah, I lost my brother. I go one year ago today. And they were like, really? And I said, yeah. And I was still angry because I wasn't processing it the way I was. And they had said to me, um, they said, you found him? I said, yeah. She goes, who else would have been able to find him? I said, nobody. It, it was me. And I said, and I was kind of resentful. And she said, he knew you were strong enough to deal it. And that's why he knew that he could count on you to be the one. It's wild, isn't it? And I'm like, and every, everything changed. And I was like, wow. Like, you had that, that, what are the odds that you just happened to be walking by them? That you were meant to be there thing. Right. Like, you know, yeah. And I was like, wow, wait a minute. You know, so yeah, I, I, I don't think this by chance encounters. I think everything happens for a person, good, bad, and different. Sure. You know, and it's it literally, if that never happened to you, you wouldn't be right here today helping people, right? I, I, a two-year-old girl it would turn my world around, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. And, that's, and that's it. Like, the trauma that we go through, the losses we go through, are what brings us to where we are today, who we are today, and how we're helping men and women, you know, whatever, every day. So I, I, I think of it that way, and there's, that's a silver lining, right? That's yeah. us thinking yeah. positive about that's it. Excellent. So I think we, a lot of us have paid the price to help others, and there's a long list of people that, that I know personally have sent me texts or thank yous or into the system because of, because of the work that I'm doing. And I'm, I'm nobody special. I'm just somebody who just dug deep for the resources, and you know, I had to pay a little bit of the price to help others, but it, the, it's definitely worth it's worth it in the end. All the work, all the phone calls, yeah. all the time that goes into it is is. It is rewarding. It's a lot of work, but it's rewarding. And before we go to break, the Milltown Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning, Electric text line is open, 978-454-4980. And if you're not listening, uh, WCAP 980 AM on the radio, you can tune in to 980WCAP.com. Swim With a Mission is proud to support Hidden Battles Radio. Hi, I'm Phil Taub. My wife, Julie, and I started Swim With a Mission to support our veterans. Our freedom is not free, and it comes at a heavy price. 
There are too many veterans in our community struggling in silence. Please check us out at swam.org, S-W-A-M.org. And if you know a veteran that is struggling, I hope you will call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988 and push 1. This portion of the broadcast was brought to you by John Dot Credit Union. John Dot Credit Union has been helping members in the community for over 100 years. Credit Union's mission is people help people. And John Dot Credit Union, they support that mission by educating and guiding their members to make smart financial choices. Call them at 978-452-5001. Visit them online, jdcu.org, to learn more about how John Dot Credit Union can help you. And we're back. Um, Thanks for listening to that. That was actually Ice Mike's choice. So uh, if you hmm. are crying, he owes you a box of tissues. He'll pay for that from his royalties of the um, Hunt the Good. Uh, so we have our resident Hidden Battles clinician on the phone. Karen, are you there, Karen? I'm there. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Awesome. So, Karen, we wanted to get you on because it is Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, and we wanted to get you on to just piggyback on some of the stuff we've been talking about already. And you have some resources for the not first responders because we've right. really we've beaten into people's heads. Um, but there are other things that signs, symptoms, some, some other things that we haven't talked about, and I would love to get your perspective on that. Right. So, yeah, um, people who know me know that I do. I work in a police station. I work alongside first responders all day long, both police and fire. Um, first responder mental health is a huge passion of mine. Um, I, I provide clinical backup and support to both our peer support unit our, at my police department as well as our fire department. But uh, May being Mental Health Awareness Month, I really want to focus on everybody, not, not just first responders, because it is. I think this is a good month to, for everyone to just pause, reflect, Think about, you know, do a little self-check. Think about yourself and how your own mental health is doing and, and look around you at your family and your friends. And um, it's just a time to, to really, like, take the moment to, to reach out. Um, so, no. yeah, it's just a really good time for that. Yeah, yeah. no, we, we absolutely agree. And, it, like, uh, like Brian and myself and, and Ice Mike and Chris have been saying, that there's no reason. There's, I mean, the stigma is there, but there was no reason for it yeah. to be there. There was a lot. Right. Listen, I can, there isn't one person in this room that hasn't, that doesn't know anybody that hasn't seek help. And, and nobody's, right. nobody's gone, oh, my God, that guy got help, or she's gotten help. Well, stay away. Like, it's not like that right. anymore. No. I mean, there's always a stigma. I think there still is. I, I'm hopeful. I think that we're getting closer to keep, you know, everybody needs to get to the point where it's okay not to be okay. And, you know, how many times do you hear people talk about they missed work because they had a bad migraine or their bursitis mm -hmm. is acting up? And how many times this week have you heard someone complain about their allergies? Um, but... How often do you hear someone say, you know, I, I just didn't go to work yesterday because my depression kind of kicked in and I just really couldn't get out of bed and I had a hard time functioning. You don't really hear people still talking openly about that. You know how we and, do it in our profession? We joke about it because we say, yep. yeah, I, I had vision I had vision problems. And they're like, what do you yep. mean? I'm like, yeah, I couldn't see myself yep. getting out of bed. You know, so we right. kind of throw that humor on it. But, yeah, you're right. Um, you Literally, you can say anything to make a reason for not coming to work, however, but nobody ever says that because we have that, like Chris was saying, the crazy, you know, I'm using my bunny right. fingers, crazy, right. oh yeah, he's crazy or whatever, but, and then you worry too because I think with the heart, like, oh, it's having heart uh, palpitations, that would raise a red flag where your department would be like, are you sure you're all right? Where I think mental mm -hmm. health would fall into that same category, like, I just wasn't having a good day mentally. Hopefully, right. you have a great peer support unit like the department you yeah. work at or like Mike's got right. and you know, where 
they would say, hey, you know, you need to sit down and talk. Like, are we all right? And, and that's where we want it. That's the hurdle we want to get over, right? Right, right, right. For everybody, not just first responders. I think a lot of people still see mental health issues as a sign of weakness. Um, you don't see having a migraine as a sign of weakness, but you might feel that you're somehow, you know, you know, you're, you might be labeled. You don't want to be labeled lazy or unmotivated when, when, you know, truthfully, you're dealing with depression. And it may present that way, and you don't want that label. Um, I do think in general it's harder for men to talk about their mental health than women. I mean, I've been a clinician for over 25 years. I can't tell you, you know, hundreds of women I talked to over the years and not many men, but now I actually see the tide turning and there are men reaching out to me for support. I mean, I do a lot of crisis work, but I do follow up from the crisis and, you know, we're getting there. I have people of all ages calling me. I have elders calling me. That's the population age 60 and over that, there's a lot of shame. You know, they, they didn't grow up talking about mental health. Our youth today, um, after the COVID pandemic, everybody started talking about mental health. Teachers are checking in on all the kids, and I think it just became a more safe thing to talk about. But, you know, the, the older folks are a tougher crowd, you know, tougher to crack, different generation. Um, but I like to think we're getting there. So, Karen, you, you mentioned depression, right? And a lot of people suffer yeah. with depression and don't realize what depression is. Depression right. is not just staying in bed. What are some nope. other key factors of depression? Like, what are other some telltales that you might have depression? Yep. So, I, right off the bat, I always tell people, depression and anxiety are a normal part of life. There is nobody you're going to meet that's going to tell you that they have never felt depressed or never felt anxious. Everybody's depressed after a loss. You know, you're grieving, you know, loss of a relationship, loss of a spouse, loss of a pet. You know, it's a normal part of life, even anxiety. Anxiety is a protective factor. If you're in an unsafe situation, you want your adrenaline to go up. You want your, you know, parasympathetic nervous system to go into overdrive because that's going to protect you. You want to be nervous before a test because that's going to help you get through it. Um, everyone has experienced that. It's when depression or anxiety interferes in your life in a way that it's getting hard to function. Um, and you'll notice it as time goes on. If you are struggling with a loss of interest in activities, not just one night, but, you know, look at your friend that loved the Bruins and watches the Bruins games all the time and all of a sudden stopped watching Bruins games, you know. Um, you, you look at signs of, of that. You hear somebody telling you about their sleep difficulty. That can go both ways. Somebody who's got insomnia can never sleep or somebody who just can't get going in the morning or they're sleeping too much. So as a clinician, we look at those warning signs. We look at the, the loss of activity, you know, loss of interest. We look at the trouble sleeping, um, excessive weight gain or weight loss over a short period of time. Irritability is a huge one, and, I, and that's big for men. Um, women who are depressed, mainly you'll see more sadness, crying, telling people that they just feel sad. You don't see a man doing that a lot. You see the irritability. You yeah, know, so you see a lot of that. So you see irritability, um, unexplained <laughs> aches and pains. You know, the people oh, that, that just, um, yeah, what was that? <laughs> I, I don't know, but it was nothing. I, it's, I think it's my microphones playing uh, tricks on me. Um, you know what? That was actually a, a good foghorn because Brian has a question yeah. for you. Oh. Hi, Karen. This is Brian. Hello. I have a question. One, Hi, Brian. One thing that I've noticed is that I'm trying to get through to people, especially on the police side of the house, is that, yep. you know, there's a difference between actively being suicidal and... You know, I just have these passive thoughts that if I get hit yep. by a bus when I leave this room tonight, eh, it wouldn't be the end of the world versus, hey, at 10 o'clock right. when I get home tonight, I'm jumping off the bridge. Right. And trying it's to get that through to people yeah. has been tough. Yeah. So I, I talk to a lot of people that have recurring suicidal ideations. And for some of them, believe it or not, it's their baseline and that's their normal. Um, you know, I have one guy that I talk to all the time. He gets suicidal thoughts when he's driving on a highway. 
So when he's driving on a highway, these intrusive thoughts start coming in. And, you know, they're telling him, you know, drive, drive off the highway, you know, drive into that building, or, you know, drive into the guardrail. And we came up with some coping skills for him. What, what are some things you can do when you start feeling that way? And, you know, he's like, I pull off at the first exit, and he loved heavy metal and, and hard rock. And he's like, you know, I got my radio stations plugged in, ready to go. And he started blasting, you know, heavy metal music in the car, and that got him through it. And then if that didn't work, then his next step was, you know, you call a friend. If that didn't work, well, then you're going to call. He had a list of people to call, and then I'm like, you need to call 911. You need to reach out for help. If all else fails and you get down to that bottom of your list, that's what you're going to do. Um, and, you know, not all of those people, like you said, they're not going to take their life. They might just live with this, um, and you have to learn how to cope with it. And it's the other people that have the plan um, or have the intrusive thoughts that are, that are not going to go away with your plan in place. So when that guy had a safety plan, the thoughts went away. If the thoughts are not going away, that is when you pick up that phone and you reach out for help immediately because now you're in a crisis point. So that's a good segue into this. So we've, we've touched on the first responder helplines and yeah. stuff like that. How about for the normal person, especially we, we get a lot of calls for teens. Um, what do you yeah. have for that? So I have a great resource for teens. So the normal person, too, should be calling 988. I mean, 988 launched in July of last year. It has been a highly functional line. It's been very utilized. So if you're in a crisis and you don't want to go the 911, you're going to go 988. Um, if you're not at that high level of crisis, but you really want to reach out, um, I could speak for the state of Massachusetts. Um, in January, uh, Massachusetts launched the Massachusetts Behavioral Health Helpline, which is a 24-7 helpline for people that just, you know, the, the mental health system is, is tough to navigate. So if you just have a question about, you know, this is what I'm dealing with and I don't know where to go, or, you know, this is what I'm struggling with, you know, what do you think? Is this depression? It's just you're going to have a clinician on the other end of the line that's going to listen to you and help steer you in the right direction. And if you are in crisis, they're going to loop in 911 immediately. So they'll loop in and they'll reach out to your local PD to come reach out to you. Um, so that's for anybody of any age. For the young people, the Samaritans, which is a group that I love, started Hey Sam. So H-E-Y-S-A-M. When you text it, it's 439-726. Um, it is for youth up to age 24, and it's staffed by youth. So if you're a 15-year-old dealing with something at school or at home, and you want to talk to someone your age and you want to text because we know all the kids, that's what they're doing, they're texting, you're going to text out to Hey Sam and you're going to get someone your age that doesn't know you or know your friends and it's going to be a safe person for you to talk to. That's and amazing. they're trained. And they're trained. And if it is a crisis, they're going to grab the clinician that's right behind them to get on the phone. That's not 24-7. I think they shut down at 9 p.m., but they're open, you know, every day until 9. And I always pass that on to, you know, the kids had a really tough time with the COVID pandemic, more than I think any other population. So, you know, really looking out for our adolescents these days and making sure that they've got the support that they need because the suicide rate has gone up in that population. That's awesome. Thank you, Huff. Uh, so, Karen, um, if, like, we get somebody and it's past nine o'clock, whatever, and they're um, they're youth. Like the nine eight eight is always the go to, or even nine one one. I would tell you honestly, if you're a kid uh, and you think you're going through this alone, I'm guaranteeing at least one of your friends is going through it too. Oh, absolutely. And I and I highly suggest that kids and, and you probably agree. Like you, you just said, absolutely, kids should reach out to their friends just like we do as adults, right? Yeah. Well, I tell everyone, you know, talk saves lives. And talking to someone is the simplest thing you can do. It doesn't cost any money or take a lot of time. You know, grab your trusted friend, do your buddy checks. You know, if you're dealing with something, you feel heavy. 
right? So you're walking around with this heavy weight, and just by meeting up with a friend or going for a walk and talking, it's not going to make the entire problem going to go away. It's not going to make the issue just disappear, but you're going to feel lighter. Um, you know, you really are. And, and I, I go to trainings all the time. I'm always trying to enhance my skills, so I'm, I do a lot of suicide prevention trainings and mental health trainings. And I was at a training once, and one of the presenters said something, and it just kind of, like, stopped me in my tracks. He wrote on the board, he said, pain shared is pain divided. And I love that. And I wrote it down and I, and I reread it a couple of times. That's such a simple thing. Once you have shared something, you know, you, you're going to feel lighter. And then somebody, you know, you can give, it's just so much, it's so important to talk. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Karen, it's Mike. Um, hey. Hey, how you doing? Um, so I think that a lot of people, especially uh, teenagers and juveniles, are going to be too intimidated, and this is unfortunate, but even adults actually are going to be too intimidated to help somebody because they don't, they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. When, it, yep. when I really wish that they would just understand, like you just said, pain shared, is just be there to listen. Is that correct, or do yeah. you have any advice on that one? That's correct. I think one of the myths of suicide is that, you know, if somebody, no matter what you say, you're not going to make somebody take their life. So no matter how depressed somebody is, if they're not suicidal, you, there's nothing you can say that's going to make that person suicidal. And a lot of people are afraid, maybe what if I say the wrong thing and then they're going to go home and they are going to kill themselves. It does, it's not. That is an absolute myth. You cannot, you know, you cannot push somebody to that point if they're not already, you know, they have to be already there. That is not something that's going to happen. You're going to say, Mike? Um, you can say it. I know you can say so it. I, so I was going to say what I say at the end of every radio show is, so, like you said, there's nothing you can say that's going to make them commit suicide if they already have no. a plan. To include asking them, uh, do, you, do you have any plans to commit suicide tonight? And you should ask people that. And yes. you should be direct. And I think a lot of people are afraid to. And the reason they're afraid to is because they think, well, what if I bring up the word suicide? Now they're going to think about it and they might do it. No. You should. Ask, you should. If you are that concerned, if that thought pops into your head that you're talking to someone that might be suicidal, you should absolutely not be afraid to ask them, um, hey, do you, do you feel like killing yourself? I mean, you could ask it in a nice way, you know, kind of a nice, caring, you know, the tone, the way you say things is going to be so much more important than even the words you're saying. People want to be, they want to be heard. I mean, I talk to people all day long in crisis or they just had a crisis or they're looking for resources. And every single person has got off the phone with me and said, you know what, it just felt good to vent. You know, people need that. People need a listening ear. And I, I say to people all the time, because they'll say, what should I say? I'm like, you don't have to really say anything. Just say, tell them, reassure them that you're, you're there for them, that you're listening. You know, I it guess goes I a million understand. miles. Yeah. yeah. And you, even you another, way of, yeah, another way of asking is saying, do you feel like you're going to harm yourself? Right. Uh, is a softer way of putting it, too. And it's, I mean, because with, like, you know, you know who you can say, hey, you're going to kill yourself? Are you thinking about killing? You know who you can say that to. But another, like I said, the other alternative is, uh, you know, do you plan on, uh, do you have plans to harm yourself? Uh, right. I think it was a little, a little more delicate. But yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to ask and, and don't be afraid to just listen. And if right. the answer is yes, I do have plans, well, I mean, well, I don't know about t teenagers asking this, but I would ask about their means of doing it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and do they yep. have those means available right now as they're talking the to me? Yeah. I would like right. to separate them from the those means. means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some kids may have this elaborate plan with all these things that they're going to do and they don't have access to any of the things to do. doesn't mean that, that that is not important and they need to be, you know, looked at as a crisis and to get them help. But that's a very good, like, very good. And it also helps you gauge as the listener how thought out, how, how, are deep, how deep are they into this that they're now laying out a plan. So that's really important, too. I safety plan with everybody at the end of every conversation. They don't even realize it. It's just like, so what are you going to do today after we get off the phone? 
And what they don't realize is I'm looking for, if somebody says, well, you know, I'm going to go meet my friend, we're going to go to the movies, I, I know right there they have a support system. So that tells me a lot about them, that they have a support system. Or if they say they're going to go to the gym, I know they're exercising, so they're taking care of themselves. Somebody says, I don't know, I have no idea what I'm going to do when I get off the phone with you, that's a red flag for me. You know, their coping skills are not, not where they really could be, and they, they probably need a lot more help than the other person that may have had some suicidal thoughts but is going to go to the movies with their friends. And I would say that my advice to veterans, we get a lot of people who are veterans who call and ask yeah. us questions like, you know, if my buddy's saying he's got firearm and he, you know, he's thinking about hurting himself, yep. um, by all means, ask him if he's willing to give that, that firearm up to him until he's feeling better. And usually, yeah. most likely, they're going to give the firearms up because they trust yeah. the fact that they're going to get it back from you, opposed to saying, I'm going to have the police there because you're never going to get back. But right. I think a lot of the times when guys are hurting, especially when they're, they're abusing alcohol or drugs, and they get into that mindset, and they have the firearm. I mean, how many times have you gotten calls with this firearm involved? Yeah. Where it's just yeah. sitting there, you know, and they're like, it's here. And you, first thing I say is, can you unload it? You know, can you unload yep. it and put it away? Put it in the other room and come back and talk with me. And then I usually say, is there somebody we can call that you trust to come and get that from you just to take it for a night or two until you feel safe? And that usually goes a long way because one thing, veterans, first responders or police or whatever, even hunters or whatever, they don't want their firearms taken away. It's, it's a part of their cult, uh, culture. Right. And yeah, yeah exactly. And, and by yeah. us just removing that, like you said, that means it goes a long way. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And just reaching out for the general public, not just first responders. Yeah, if absolutely. you have a friend... You all know when your friend's off. You know, have someone in your family, you know when they're just, like, not acting right. They seem different. Don't be afraid just to even send a text to a friend or say, you know, you okay? You know, you just seemed a little off today. That goes a million miles because they just know, even if they don't share and they say, yeah, I'm okay, they know you asked. They know you asked. And then they may think of you in a day or two, you know, when they are, you know, feeling like they're ready to talk. Like, hey, you know, my buddy reached out to me. Maybe, maybe I will reach out back now. Yeah, absolutely agree. Karen, thank you so much for taking the time out this evening. We will talk later. Um, do you have any parting words? Do I have any parting words? Just mm -hmm. everybody, just, you know, stay safe, be well, you know, just knowing that people there, there's more people willing oh. to talk to you than you even think that are out there. Mike's got another one for you. Well, I, it's, oh. not, it's not a question. It's, this is a, just a um, kind of a compliment and, and a thank you, Karen. Karen has been so great working with my peer support members at my unnamed agency that is also in Burlington. <laughs> And, uh, and, she, and I know she's also helping the Burlington Fire set up their peer support. So she's yep. like heavily involved with this stuff. And she's just a yeah. great resource for Hidden Battles. And she's been a great friend to yeah. me and, and my peer support. Yeah, yeah she's, she's been pinnacle for us. I, I, I say it all the time that she's been unbelievable. And, and she is definitely our go-to when we're, at, we're scratching our heads. Karen's there for yeah. us. So uh, we are um, lucky to have her. Um, and, and happy uh, Mental Health Month to you. And we will talk later. Okay. Thank right. you for having me. Thank okay. you so much, Brian. Anything? Uh, Thank you for having me. Um, I can be available if anybody needs me. I'll put up my peer support page. You guys can just get in touch with me if they reach out to you. Yep. You can reach out to us at info at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org. Wow, it's just, it's just running crazy over here now. Um, it mumbles. Um, so, yeah, fire us off an email at info at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org, and we'll get you in touch with Brian, um, Chris. If main thing I can say is if you need help, reach out so don't forget the national suicide prevention lifeline 1-800-273-TALK suicide crisis lifeline 988 or if you're into texting 741741 just text help and then if you're in immediate crisis 911 someone will be there listening. and for our younger audience uh, you can text hey sam if you're in crisis we got for our size mike uh what i gotta say thanks brian for your service and your Thank continued you. service and congrats for 
actually having the courage to actually go get the help that you needed, even though it was rock bottom. But kudos to you for, for being a leader in this field, too, and that's awesome. It takes leaders like us to stand up and actually talk about our own issues to get rid of that stigma. You can't just say get rid of the stigma. Practice mm. what you preach, right? Yeah, lead right. by example. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome, awesome job. Ryan, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for coming in, thanks Brian. Thanks for having me in. All right, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, make good choices. Make good choices, kids. <laughs>